Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'll burn out. I tell them I'm not like the rest. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. I hope you guys are having a fabulous Thursday. Thursdays are my favorite day of the week, not just because they're obviously podcast release dates and seeing all the stories that you guys tag me in really brightens my day. But it's also like the weekend eve. You're feeling good. I'm so excited, especially if I'm home in Dallas, as we know. And then I'm really the happiest because my weekends in Dallas are really just what make my world go round. But today is especially a very, very good Thursday because we have our second drop of Breadwinning Housewife merch. It drops today. We have a new collection. Let me take you through it, okay? We have a cute little coffee tumbler mug, like a travel mug, if you will. It's silver. It says Breadwinning Housewife on it. I use it every day. You guys have probably seen it on my Instagram. I'm obsessed with it. We also have a quarter zip with matching sweats. These are white, and then we have black on them. It's bordered. It looks so cute. And then we also have oversized crews. We have a pink, and we have a beige. So I'm living in this stuff. Oh, we also have a baseball cap. I don't know how I forgot that. That was like the most requested thing from you guys. Who knew you all loved baseball caps so much? I guess I do now. But anyways, it's all available. Definitely check it out. There are limited quantities for some of the items. So you want to be the first one shopping. I'm so excited. The last collection did so well and you guys are just loving it. And it's like one of my, actually, the last collection was my favorite thing I've released. So I guess this is now my next favorite thing that I've released. So I will have everything in the description below. Moving on to today's episode, this is another reason why this Thursday is so great. If I haven't convinced you that Thursdays are the best day of the week yet, like here we are. All right, guys, I'm, I'm taking you down the list. But we have a native Nashville resident. Well, I guess you want to be native. She's a Nashville resident, my new friend, Rebecca. She's an author, which is really everything um, I want to be. But, you know, just like not really quite there yet. She just released a book called Champagne for One, a celebration on solitude. I thought this would be such a great episode for February, a month that we are so focused on our relationships with literally everyone besides ourselves. And we need to look at solitude as an act of self-care, as Rebecca is teaching me, okay? She is taking me through how to be comfortable being on your own, how to be your own best friend, the importance of solitude. And we're just kind of, we're chatting throughout the episode. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. It's a really important listen, especially if you are a female in your 20s. I mean, anyone in your 20s, honestly. It's incredibly important. So I really hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Again, these episodes are available to watch on YouTube. We have a TikTok. We have Instagram. Be sure to go follow everyone there. 
I will be doing a giveaway. I'm going to be giving away a Breadwinning Housewife baseball cap to one of you who goes and comments on both the Kenzie Elizabeth Instagram post promoting this episode and the ILYSM podcast Instagram post. So we have two posts up right now promoting the new episode. Comment on those. I will pick a winner and then I'll get your address. We'll send you a baseball cap and then we'll all be matching. So without further ado, let's welcome Rebecca on to the show. I would like to start this podcast by letting people know that I think I'm allergic to coffee. How can one be allergic to coffee and how would you know? So I don't know if if I'm allergic. I think I just naturally am a little bit dramatic, but I drink cold brew and some of it is a lot more acidic than other cold brews. Yeah. And so then I have a weird reaction and then I cough after it a time, which it's totally not okay to cough in public these days. So it's really humiliating. And then everyone thinks I have COVID, but really I'm just drinking a cold brew. Well, you, you need to be careful with that. Yeah. Because you do, they'll like quarantine you off to a corner if they see you. But as long no. as you're drinking it and then maybe just cough into your... I just have to make it a little more obvious that it's from that. I need to stop drinking coffee in public. That's I don't think you can be doing. allergic to coffee though. I don't think, I've never heard anyone be allergic to coffee. I think I feel good about it. Yeah, and you got a lot of energy. Yeah. So we're good. So I think it'll be okay. Okay, do you want to give us a little background on yourself? Yes, I would love to. So my name is Rebecca Iliff and I'm based in Nashville, Tennessee, although I did live in LA for many years and love it here for all the reasons we spoke about before, the weather mainly. I'm a writer and my background is in marketing communications and I had a tech company for many years in San Francisco that has since sold. So now I'm just focusing on writing full time and doing, I do client commission projects and then my own creative writing and hence the book coming out in February. So how do you just love Nashville? I love it. Yeah, I love it too. I love it. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the book. I want to hear how it even came about. And also, I'm, I love it. I'm very glad we're talking about solitude today and actually being on your own and being independent. That is incredibly important, especially to learn, I think, specifically in your 20s. So give us like the genesis of this book. So it came about a very good friend of mine passed away pretty suddenly in August, 2017. And so we were supposed to spend our birthdays together at this spa. So I ended up being there by myself. And the way I tell it is the attendant came over to ask if I wanted some champagne. And I said, sure, I'll have a glass. And then the seat next to me was empty. And she said, does your friend want a glass too? And I realized at that moment, it was just this very specific kind of thing that that went off in my head. Like you can either choose to be joyful and celebrate in this moment, or you can choose to continue to be sad and, and grieving. So I just took it as this kind of like this opportunity to really fully embrace my solitude. And then I went to get a massage. And during the massage, this poem that's Champagne for One, which is now the genesis of the book, just came to me like that. And so I, I left the massage, I wrote it down, and then I ended up ended up getting published in Chicken Soup for the Soul. And then the publisher, a, a different publisher was interested in the whole concept as like something I could work out through essays and different, you know, vignettes around this idea of sol- solitude and celebrating it instead of thinking of it as a negative, just a negative aspect of life, which I think that it kind of gets relegated to people who are antisocial or wallflowers are just kind of weird. Like, oh, why do you want to be alone? Why do you, you know, why do you want to go to the movies by yourself or hang out by yourself so much? So I guess the main thrust of the book is just how to embrace it, how to celebrate it, how to do it well, how to kind of own it. And then also on the other side of that, it's like claiming 
your independence and knowing how to be on your own, because I do think it's a really important thing that people don't talk about. It's all like, you know, oh, you have to be in a relationship or there's something wrong with you, or you need to be connecting with people constantly. And I think that being alone and finding time to reflect is a, is just as much um, of an important aspect of the human experience. So that's really what it's about in a nutshell. Yeah, I was a very big nutshell, but no, that was great. I think it's so important, especially in regards to a relationship. I think people, it's really easy to like, even not even relationships, honestly, like day to day, fill your time so much. For me, there was honestly, I lost someone very close to me for probably two years after that. I kept myself so busy that I had no time to think. And before that, I love spending time by myself. I am really outgoing, but I'm an introvert. I love, I have to recharge. So I ran myself dry. I was so exhausted and I was just trying to keep myself busy because I was afraid of like solitude. So if someone is in that space where they're maybe running and instead of it just being like difficult and maybe it sounds boring, they're just actually afraid of it. What advice would you give them? Well, I think the first thing is recognizing that it is really scary to be alone, especially when you're going through like a trauma or grief or, you know, after a breakup or something. But I think if you can, you can kind of reframe it as an opportunity to grow and to just under kind of understand things better. Silence can actually be hugely generative and regenerative in ways of that we don't really understand. You know, you could do little things like just go for a walk by yourself or try meditation for 20 minutes, turn off your phone for an hour and read a book. And it, it doesn't have to be, I, I talk about this a little bit in the intro of my book, but it's not like we have to go to India for a month and go to a silent meditation mm-hmm. retreat. I think it's more sustainable and more reasonable as these little moments during your day, you know, 10 to 15 to 20 minutes where like, I'm just going to shut things off, reflect, and maybe think about things that are meaningful to me. That's really all it is. It doesn't have to be some huge thing that you're doing. And I think that scares people sometimes. It's like, wait, does that mean I have to, you know, I'm going to be all alone every night of the week instead of going out. Or when I talk to people about it, it's like, just think of it in little steps. And then for me, at least what it's done is it's enabled me to just figure out what I really like to do and what brings me joy. And then I'm better in relationships as a result of that, because I'm not constantly compromising what I really enjoy first, what someone else needs. So a lot of it is just, you're just learning how to kind of be with yourself, enjoy your own company. And then you're just a better person, whether it's a love interest or a friend or a family member, it just makes those relationships, I think, better and healthier in a certain sense. You guys know me, you know that one of my greatest hobbies, one of my greatest loves in life is hosting. All right. The big game is coming up. Amazies is everything you need to take you all the way to the end zone. So they've got all of your football fanatic needs covered with team jerseys, serverware, plus food and snacks that'll keep you cheering. You know, my, my head always goes to the hosting. My head always goes to the food. And then I'm like, what am I wearing? I have literally nothing to wear. And then I also have nothing to put this food on. I need some festive things. I need to look like I am the hostess with the mostest because I am. And that is why Macy's is saving me. Okay. I will be going to get some jerseys. I will be going to get some serveware. All right. And I will also be going to get some snacks. That is the best part of the Super Bowl. All right. So again, guys, it is literally this weekend, all right? So check it out now at Macy's.com. They have all of your football fanatic needs covered. 
Hey, it's Patrick Starr. I'm coming straight to you with my very own podcast, Say Yes to the Guest. I'll be hanging out with some of my fiercest friends and spilling some serious tea on business, beauty, and being a boss-ass bitch. With me, baby, you'll never know what will happen. Find Yes to the Guest on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are played. Start streaming and downloading now. And don't forget to subscribe because every Monday we're going in. We got so much to chat about. So turn it up and say yes to the guest. Yes. What are things that you do practically like every day or even weekly that you feel like have helped you in this area? I meditate pretty much every day. I try to start. Have you always meditated? No. Okay, so this is my thing. I know I need to meditate. I was so so bad at it. I was like, uh. Yes, that's my problem. How, like, I need to be a meditator. I think it would be so good for me. But it's just, it is so difficult. Well, okay, here's a good hint. So meditation isn't necessarily like sitting in a room doing that. I think this is what everyone thinks. I actually started with more of like a walking meditation. So I go for at least four times a week, I go for like a two to three mile walk by myself or with my dog or something. And that's a good way to start. It's, it's like just not having your headphones in and not, you know, not talking to someone on the phone or being with someone just being alone. So that's a good way to do it. So that's kind of what I, what I started with was like pretty typical meditation of, you know, sitting quietly, but then the walking meditation was really good for me. So I would suggest that if you're someone who likes to move and it has trouble sitting still, I think doing that and even just I actually had this really great kind of spiritual coach It's probably the wrong word, but I worked with her a little bit after when I was going through this grieving period. And she had said, you know, meditation doesn't have to be sitting in a room. It can be while you're, you know, unloading the dishwasher or while you're walking or just in these moments where you're by yourself, you can kind of, it can be meditative in a sense. So it's not just like this very cliche, like sitting and humming, sitting and yeah. humming, or, you know, with your eyes closed in a yoga pose and your yoga pants, you can really kind of, I think, live in a meditative way. If, if you choose and to focus on that, as opposed to like things just being so reactive, it's like, let me just breathe a little bit. So that's been what's helpful for me, at least. Do you journal at all? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you do that like daily or when you like, and I mean, journal outside of obviously you're a writer, but do you journal like almost like just for yourself and not for something you're going to publish? Yeah, I do. I try to, I think that is a challenge as a writer. It's like, should this be written mm-hmm. you know, better or, but I kind of go in and out of it. It's like, realistically as some months are just not, I just don't have the time or the energy to do it. I've started something in 2022 though, where I'm trying to journal three times a week consistently it just, it is, you know, it is also like great fodder for stories in the future, but just remembering like all these experiences that we're having the last two years have been so, there's been so much change. And so I really want to reflect on kind of where I'm at to, and really to like focus on the good things, because I think it's been really easy the last couple of years just to kind of get drawn into this negative negativity. So I'm like, okay, I need to like, what am I grateful for? What are the funny things that happened today? You know, just just little things that for me, it's like helpful to keep things in perspective. I was really drawn to this concept, though, because like I said, I had two years where I was really just afraid of being alone. And I think I'm sure there's many reasons why someone would feel that way. But the two that come to mind that I think of first are you're either like running from something, which is what I was doing, or you just like don't like yourself and you don't want to spend time alone. So do you feel that solitude has really helped you with your relationship with yourself and maybe like 
criticism and self-doubt and things like that. I do think solitude has been important in terms of, like you said, creating a relationship with yourself, but also just reflecting on your own behavior. And why, why do these patterns... So if, let's just use a specific example. Relationships with, you know, romantic partner. Let's say you're, you know, you're in three different relationships and the same things come, keep coming up over and over again. And it's like, okay, if you never stop and think about what those patterns are and you go from, you know, George to Jimmy to Joe, Texas names, um, <laughs> and the same thing, you kind of go into it the same and get out of it the same. At some point, you got to you got to sit back and go, okay, this is not what I want. This isn't working for me. How do I do that? So just in a really concrete way, I think solitude is the, is the opportunity to reflect and take inventory on your choices and take, I mean, for me, it's like, it's almost like taking responsibility for your actions. And then you can come out and say, okay, this is what I learned. I'm going to try to apply this a little bit differently, but it's that kind of like that yin and yang of being in relationship, being connected, and then being alone, reflecting. So just, you know, I think that's, that has been very useful for me and also just slowing way down. I mean, at one point when I had my tech company in San Francisco, I was on a plane every other week. I mean, similar to you, you know, you have, it's that busy, busyness, but it was being productive, but you're just moving so quickly that I would just go run myself down and then I would get sick. And then, you know, I was like, why am I not happy? Why isn't this working? And then, then I really started meditating and doing more yoga as a result of that and realizing, okay, well, I need this in order to feel balanced in order to be able to function and to kind of show up fully for what I was doing. What are the biggest differences that you see in yourself, you know, when you had your tech company and things were crazy and you weren't slowing down versus now when you actually like value this? I think I just have more gratitude and more patience for things and just realizing that just not having that reactive vantage point. Like when you're managing people and you're trying to build something, it's constant. You're constantly putting out fires or reacting to things. And so, you know, for me, it's just the ability to take a step back and look at things before I react to it. That's been, I think, over the course of my career, what the biggest change has been just, you know, if someone sends you an email and you're like, ah, mm-hmm. I want to just, it's like, all right, just take a day usually now. If, if I know that I'm reacting to something, I can take a step back, reflect on it. Okay, what's the kind thing to do here, even though I'm really upset um, I just didn't have those skills in my 20s and even, you know, somewhat into my 30s. I feel like I was still like biting my tongue all the time to not say things. It was a lot more work. And now it's just, it's easier because I'm kind of like, okay, just let it go. You know? Yeah. Like you have tools to deal with now. Yeah. And just experience of knowing that it doesn't ever really end well when you react in anger or really quickly. I think that communication is really important and and our words are really important. And now that I'm married, it's even more so I I try to really be careful about the things that I say because I can be really really mean. And it's like, why would I do that? I love this person. I know it's like, I can't take that back. Why why would I even think that, you know? And he's he's so sweet and patient, but that's been another kind of learning experience when you have someone like right there all Mm -hmm. the time. I grew up in a very emotionally reactive family. And so when I I moved to LA when I was 17 and I was like, this is the first thing I want to like, quote, fix about myself. Like I wanted to get past that because I'm like, I don't like, 
I don't like that at all. Like that is not something in that. I think it's probably like my natural response, but through therapy and years of it, I now have like tools, like exactly like waiting a day, like things like that, that have really helped me because there's never been a time where I've reacted emotionally or just reacted to something in general that has really been good for me. Yeah. And it is that fight or flight thing too. And I think when you obtain different skills that you don't have to do either of those things. You can kind of just sit and wait and be patient. And, you know, we all have programming that was instilled when we were, Mm -hmm. how we grew up. And then I feel like, I mean, you're probably experiencing this now, but my twenties, a lot of it was figuring out, okay, what's, what's wrong with me? Or like, why do, what do I not like about myself? And then starting to get the tools to kind of change the narrative in my head. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's like, and there are so many tools now and therapy is so, I think, broadly accepted as something that, you know, is normal. It's normalized. I think when I was in my twenties, it was, it was just starting to become pretty mainstream. Like if you say, oh, I'm in therapy, people don't go, oh, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you now you're trying to take care of yourself. Good for you. Which I think is such an important shift in, you know, that being available to people and it being kind of like a normal offering that anyone can take advantage of. I absolutely adore Mel Robbins. I read her book recently because my dad texted me to read it. Me and my dad are kind of in a little book club. It's really sweet. But if you guys are living under a rock and don't know, Mel Robbins is a best-selling global phenomenon and one of the leading voices in personal development. And she is back with a new Audible original podcast, Here's Exactly What to Do. This invites you to reimagine the life you want and gives you the tools to take action. Each of the 14 episodes focuses on an attitude or situation that's holding you back. Is your confidence in need of a recharge? Is your creativity running low? Are you not carving out the right life balance? Or are you just feeling blah and can't get out of bed? In our typical Nobia style, Mel cuts through the hype to deliver the simple tools you need to move forward and create positive change. These short, impactful episodes are the perfect way to take a break, take a breath, and feel truly empowered. Here's exactly what you do is a perfect follow-up to her start here, her 13-topic breakdown of how to deal with whatever life is throwing at you. Available only on Audible. That's audible.com slash what to do. Again, audible.com slash what to do. Hope you guys enjoy. Mel is absolute best. You guys will love the show. I promise you. Well, in your 20s, with changing the narrative, I think you really put that well. Like, there's so many things that I'm like, okay, this isn't what I want. I'm going to change my mind. For me, personally, it's therapy. Yeah. But what are other ways, maybe someone doesn't have access to therapy or that's not really their thing, what are other ways that people can work to kind of change the narrative about themselves to themselves? That's a great question. I think part of it starts with, in my opinion, having really good peers and figuring out how to kind of release the noise and toxicity. That's the, that's the biggest thing. And I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier before we started, but social media and the internet has made information so accessible. So I think there have been recent studies that show people who are on social media more, they tend to be more depressed, depressed and have anxiety. So I think part of it is really looking at who am I surrounding myself with and who are my people that make me feel good. I think that's a big part of it. I do think now too, even if you can't afford therapy, so to speak, there are a lot of online resources for that. And I actually worked with a gal named Dr. Lindsay Jernigan who released 
a few months ago, like an online, it's like a 10 episode course on anxiety and depression. And so I think there are tools like that now that are more commonplace. Obviously there's a lot of great books, but I I really think it starts with having a, a close knit group of people around you and a support network that you trust. I think the isolation thing, which I have to really distinguish about when I talk about solitude, because solitude's like an act an act to yourself of kindness, whereas isolation is kind of drawing back from people. And I think, you know, over the last two years, certainly that's um, increased a lot. So, you know, the isolation thing, when you're kind of letting go of friends and family and you don't have people around you who you can trust is a little bit dangerous is probably a a strong word, but I think that can start that spiral, you know, so if, if you can't afford therapy, you can at least maybe have a good friend that you talk to or, you know, a cousin or your parent or something like that. What if someone is in their 20s and they're feeling a lot of pressure to, you know, find a partner, get married? I don't feel this pressure at all, but I get messages from people about this all the time. And I think in different like cultures, religions, traditions, that obviously varies. What advice would you give? Wait till you're in your 30s and it gets much worse. (laughs) (laughs) I got married. I got married when I was 40. So I, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. I... I had a lot of experience with kind of trying to figure out how to not ignore, but just gently or kindly say, this isn't my path. I think it just goes back to knowing kind of what you want and being intentional about it. You know, I come from a divorced household. So I think, which it was not a bad divorce. It was, you know, fortunately my parents were, were both, both very graceful about it, but it still gives you pause when you're trying to figure out what is a marriage look like? What is a good relationship look like? So I just think everyone's situation is different. And I think if you're in your twenties, in my opinion, that's kind of the time where you're figuring yourself out and you're figuring life out and you're having fun and you're traveling and you're exploring and you know, you shouldn't feel pressured to do anything until you're really ready. But again, you don't, you have to figure out how to kind of stand on your own two feet and to be able to just stand up for yourself and say, this isn't, this isn't my path right now. But yeah, it's, I do think social norms are changing. I think the average age person that gets married is probably 28 or 29. We used to be like 21. That is crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's... I know my mom was 20 when she got married. Wow. My dad was 22, you know, it's, but I, I think that that's beautiful too. And things yeah. happen like that, you know, high school sweethearts that meet and get married. And I have friends that have known each other since they were 19. I just think it's that accepting of everyone's path is different. And if you're feeling pressure, it's like, I think the pressure, at least for me, was always more, I want to be married and I want to be in a relationship. So it was probably coming even more from mm-hmm. me than it was from someone else. And that's frustrating too. Like, How did you work through that? I mean, a lot of, I think, therapy, discussion, and just looking at examples of people who were doing it well on their own. And, mm-hmm. and that was kind of what I you know, ultimately decided. It's like, I, I've been a long-term relationship before I met my husband. And it was a great learning experience, but it wasn't the right, it wasn't the right person for me. And so I spent many years alone trying to figure out, okay, what's, what's that? What does it look like? What do I really want? But it was hard. I mean, it's not, it's not easy when you want something, but you also can't force those things, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think some, sometimes it's like, we try to push our way through and it just doesn't, it doesn't ever end well. Yeah. It's also different. Like you look at high achieving females specifically and like, not that you have everything in control in your career. Like 
it's not that you can control that necessarily, but there is a level of like, if I work hard enough, it's going to happen. And with relationships, it's not really like that. You just have to meet the right person. Right. It's not like you have the control of that. And so I think that's what I hear a lot of people who are talking about that, who a lot of my friends who are like working all the time and really successful in their careers and other areas of their life. And that's the one thing that they still want. And they always say like, it's just the control aspect of it that drives me crazy. Yeah, it's hard when you're used to having everything work out for you yeah. in most other areas and then kind of the one thing you think you want, but it's all, you know, it's all kind of a trade-off too. I mean, I don't think you can have it all at once. I think you can have it all eventually in different ways, but now it's like I have a great marriage and I love my husband, but I'm not like a high-powered career person. Not that I really ever was, but it was definitely a lot more intense and now I kind of you know, not that I've given it up, but I've made the choice to kind of prioritize the relationship and have a simpler Mm -hmm. life and just do what makes me happy as opposed to like just what makes the most money or whatever, you know? So yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a challenge, but that's right. You mentioned earlier how you needed to just like take a step back to figure out, you know, what you wanted specifically relationally, but let's say someone is again like in their 20s and just really lost and confused in every area of their life and obviously like you need I think you need solitude I spend so much time alone I need to think or else now I go crazy like I'm on the other end of like I crave being alone but what steps or advice would you give to someone who is just so lost and really has no direction well the first thing I would say is it's pretty normal to feel that way. I mean, I still feel that way sometimes. I'm like, why am I getting out of bed? Like what, yeah. what is happening today? Where am I? So I think not, not to pathologize it and say that there's something wrong with you. I think that's the first thing. It's just going, okay, this is a normal part of being human and growing up. But again, I think it, it all comes down to intention, you know? So journaling certainly helps. Like what, why do I feel lost having a support system? Because I don't think if you're feeling that way, necessarily just more alone time, is useful. So I think, you know, finding resources and people that you trust to help kind of guide you. And I think this happens, I don't know, I feel like feeling lost and directionless and not knowing really like what you're supposed to be doing here Mm -hmm. (laughs) happens at every stage of life. So, but again, like making healthy choices, you know, eating well, exercising, trying to figure out some sort of routine can help create at least the framework in order to, for things to fall into place. I think oftentimes what happens is you're feeling lost and then you just start making a series of poor decisions, you know, whatever those things are, I won't like name those specifically, but it's, you know, we all know what those are for us personally. And, and so it's like, okay, how do I become a little bit more disciplined? How do I start doing things that are loving to myself as opposed to externalizing it and trying to look at other people to make you happy. And that's a big part of it. Soft, cozy, and sustainable. Three words I usually don't use when describing my underwear, but that has all changed when I tried Parade. Parade makes sustainable, creative basics so soft, guys, you have no idea, and comfortable that you cannot wait to put them on. I didn't even know I was recording this ad read today and I was wearing the triangle bralette and their high rise thong. Two of my favorite things are going on the website. I was highly, highly recommend. 
They are so soft and so comfortable. The company launched only two and a half years ago with the mission to make underwear more accessible, inclusive, and self-expressive. Since then, they've sold over 2 million pairs. I feel like I see them everywhere, and for good reason, honestly. From extra small to triple XL, Parade's inclusive sizing means you will have zero trouble finding the perfect bralette or pair of underwear. Did I mention they are all about sustainability? Parade crafts their signature styles with super soft, certified, recycled yarns. Plus, all their products come in biodegradable packaging. And for every parade purchase you make, they give back to organizations that support reproductive rights, racial equality, and LGBTQ plus communities. Upgrade your top drawer with an exclusive 20% off parade. Go to yourparade.com slash I love you and use code I love you to get 20% off. That is yourparade.com slash I love you. Do you have specific like resources that you would recommend to someone feeling lost? Yoga and meditation and some sort of community. So, you know, whether it's a church community or AA, for example, such a great community for people. I think that that's a big part of it is finding your people and then doing like, I think exercise helps. I think eating healthy is really useful. I also think writing like the journaling part that we talked about before is really good because a lot of times if we just have all these things floating around in our head and we have no way to expel it, they just it just stays there. But if you can write it down and start to understand, oh wow, I keep saying the same thing over and over. Like what is that about? Or, you know, having someone that we trust to kind of reflect it back to us. I think that's that's really helpful. But I also think we're in a very interesting part of human existence. And I think feeling lost is becoming more commonplace because I feel like we have so much access to information and people and we see things and we think, oh my God, I don't, I'm nothing. I'm, I'm not achieving anything. Everyone else is doing something that's so much better than me. She's prettier. He's this, he's that. So I personally think that disconnecting from some of that or having like the digital detox or information diet is, is one of the most important things you can do if you're feeling that way. And then once you kind of have a better balance or you feel kind of healthier about your approach to it, you can jump back into it. But I think that's a big driver of why people are feeling more so that way and have a lot of anxiety. The mute button on Instagram is a really beautiful thing. I I don't even know what that is. So instead of unfollowing someone, you can just mute them so you won't see their post. Okay. So the reason that it's helpful is because there's people I love that I actually like love as people and friends, but at certain places in my life it's not even personal she's like I can't see their stuff it's not honestly it's never really in like a jealousy type of way at all it's just like for whatever reason I need some sort of break and I can really curate and control my feed because and now you unfollowing is like such a big deal so the mute button just right. like is that like dif- that's like defriending someone it's just like Basically. sending a message yeah yeah it's like considered to be rude yeah. so the mute button's really helpful another thing that I was thinking of that has really helped me is I Still do, but I used to have a really hard time identifying my emotions and where they're coming from. I was like, I feel this way and I don't really know. And then I'm really easy. Like so much of my childhood was like just so like jumbled up, like divorced parents, very messy. Like so much of it, I didn't even, I would never be at like the top of mind for anything. So I started doing, and this wasn't even intentional, but I did start doing like morning pages where I would just go and first thing when I woke up, I would make myself journal. I normally do like the three pages, but you can do like the time too. And you just don't take, for those listening, you don't take um, your pen off the paper essentially. 
and doing that made me real. I would just take my journal into therapy and I'm like, this is where it's coming from. Cause it's things that I would have never thought of, but because I had to just keep journaling, all this stuff was coming up and it has helped me in every single way because I'm just for whatever reason, not the best naturally identifying emotions. I think because I didn't deal with them for a long time. So that was really helpful for me as far as like actually realizing what the problem was and the root. Well, I think it is hard to, I don't think any of us know where our emotions are coming from. I think that's why they're emotions. You yeah. know, it's like, why, why am I so grouchy? You mm-hmm. know, is it because I'm hungry? Because, you know, I miss my dog or whatever, you know, it's, so I think that it's, a, it's really a good move to be writing it down. I even sometimes will just kind of sit down and like talk th- this sounds kind of crazy, but if you see me sitting on a park bench talking to myself, but no, talking, talking awful. through it, yeah. you know, and like listening to music and just kind of, instead of like thinking about everything, which, you know, you're clearly a, a thinker in this mm-hmm. way. It's like, Oh, I, if I can rationalize it and I can think through it, then I'll solve the problem. But sometimes it's just, it's more like just having a conversation and letting it flow as opposed to trying to solve it, yes. which emotions are not something to be solved. There's something that they are something that are with us for better, or for worse, that we need in order to regulate the world around us. You know, if we didn't, if we weren't sad, if we didn't know anger, if we didn't know happiness, if we didn't know joy, we would be robots, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think this idea of not being driven by emotion, you know, not letting it like rule the roost in terms of making decisions, but being able to kind of flow through it is, is really important part of Yes. Growth. Something like a mentor said to me years ago was feelings are, your feelings are valid, but they're not always true. And that is something I think about all the time in trying to not make emotional decisions. I'm a thinker. I, I'm very like, I love solutions, right? So I will very easily be like, well, I'll deal with this, but in two weeks I'll be over it. Or I give myself like this weird timeline and that's just not how emotions work. I was almost making it like, some sort of like business transaction in a really twisted way of like, okay, well, I'll go here, I'll deal with them then, and then I'll ignore it. And that is also something I've had to get better about because it doesn't actually work. No, it doesn't work. And it going back to what we were talking about in terms of relationships and not having a relationship is also not a problem to solve. And I think when yes. you have that mentality of, and we also live in a, you know, a time of data points. So if you do this, then your iWatch will, you know, monitor it and then you'll achieve this there are things that don't fall into that bucket of being able to make decisions like that or being able to solve a problem. So, you know, when you're a problem solver, you are thinking, okay, what can I do to attract a partner? Like, should I do my hair different? Should I like, should I be, you know, nicer or sweeter or like more emotionally attuned or all those things or should I have different shoes? And so it's almost like that gets applied to things that don't have, aren't in that spectrum of like Mm -hmm. problem solving. So I think that just to go back to like the advice of what do you do if you're, you know, alone and thinking you need to be in a relationship, it's like, don't think about it and just live your life and be the best, best version of yourself. And someone will show up and you know what? Sometimes they won't and that's okay too. You know, it's like sometimes they they show up when you're 40 or 60. I love what you said about how it's not a problem to fix or Mm -hmm. not a problem to solve. Like it isn't a bad thing. I think, I don't know if it's my parents are divorced. I mean, they're both remarried. I don't know what it is, but like, I also love being single. Like I have no, it's so much fun. I'm like, there's so much time to do it. So it is, 
I have a lot of sympathy for people. Like I have friends who are of like certain faiths or certain things that traditionally with their families is expected. And my parents just, that is, you know, one thing I'm really grateful for is like that pressure isn't applied. Even being in Texas, like none of my friends are getting married. I don't, ha- I'm not around that yet. But I love what you said about how it's not a problem to be solved. That's a really yeah. important point. Yeah. And the problem solution paradigm is really best suited for business. Yes. And, and, you know, acute, like if you have, if your, you know, hands been cut off and mm-hmm. you need to like, you know, go to the hospital, that's a problem to fix. But I think a lot of times we confuse the relational with the transactional and, and, you know, the problem fixing to the wrong components of our life. And I, and, you know, part of that is part of that's a little bit Western culture too. I mean, you look at other cultures historically and they don't, they have just a different, a different paradigm for that. And so I think it's a very, I mean, you know, I love America. We were talking about it before, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I'll be waving my flag, you know, but it's, it's a very Americanized way of looking at life. You know, it's very binary, you know, this, you know, right and wrong, good and bad, left and right. It's just, that's not how we function in real life, Mm -hmm. you know, with emotions and relationships and things like that. So I have recently changed out my morning routine, which is, you know, one of my favorite topics. I have moved my morning workouts. I used to wake up in the morning, immediately work out. And I don't know if it's the weather, if it's the fact that it's really cold or that I really just don't want to leave my house unless I'm like going to hang out with my friends. But I have moved those workouts to a nice 1130 a.m. lunch break workout. And instead, the first thing I do when I wake up is I start my day off with Bloom. I love Bloom Nutrition for many reasons mainly the fact that it is easy and delicious to give your body what it needs to feel your best inside and out. If it's something that's complicated, it's going to add like 15 steps to my routine, add another 30 minutes, clean up all that stuff. I'm not going to do it. And Blue Nutrition doesn't do that. It's really easy and it actually tastes incredible. My favorite flavor is the citrus. Like, wow, so good. Their greens and superfood powder blends fight bloating, helps digestion, increases natural energy, and keeps your skin glowing. Bloom Greens are packed with over 50 nutrients, including whole fruits and veggies, fiber, probiotics, antioxidants, and more, all in one easy-to-drink formula. So what I do is I wake up, I head downstairs immediately, and then I just mix it in with water. I, you can add it into a smoothie, but I just like doing it with water because it's easier. It comes in four delicious flavors, coconut, mixed berry, citrus, and original. My go-to is citrus. Bloom is made for you, whether you're trying to recover from a big meal or a night out or you're a fitness buff. Over 350,000 people trust Bloom to feel better every day. And right now, Bloom Nutrition is offering our listeners 15% off your purchase of their greens and superfoods blend when you go to bloomnew.com slash I love you. That is bloomnu.com slash I love you for 15% off your purchase of their greens and superfoods blend. All right, let's get back to the episode. I want to talk a little bit about like changing career paths because you've, I feel like you've had like four different lives. At least, yeah. Yeah, right? I really respect that. I think it's really cool to keep changing and evolving. It's really easy to stay in the same path. At what points did you know you wanted to change what you were doing? And then also, how did you push back? Like, I'm sure there's, self-doubt like naturally we all criticize ourselves like how did you work through that and also build up the courage to make the change yeah so my first career I don't think you know this but I was a professional ballerina oh my god so that was my first yeah so that was kind of how I started and then 
honestly, I, I feel like every time I made a decision, it was based on what sounds fun and appealing at the time. I knew I wanted to be a, a dancer or ballerina when I was like 18, but I also knew that I really liked business. And I, I knew that, you know, being an artist or creative person is a difficult life. And so I think I was always trying to make decisions that sounded appealing when I was, you know, when I got injured in my dance career, I thought, okay, maybe this is a sign that I need to move to something else. So just trying to kind of like listen to what I was, what was coming at me and what the opportunities were. So I, for whatever reason, I don't like, so where I grew up, there wasn't like, I didn't really even know what entrepreneurship was. You know, my dad Mm -hmm. was a, a doctor. My mom was an art teacher and a housewife and their entrepreneurship just wasn't even a thing. So I don't really know where that came from, but what they did do is instill you know, I had a good ed- education. I, you know, was very independent and I just kept kind of uh, saying, okay, well that, that looks interesting. Like as long as I can make a living doing that, I'll pursue it. So that, that's honestly how I, you know, went from a ballerina to kind of a marketing and PR person to the tech world. And now I'm doing the writing, but there, the, the through line's always been creativity. Mm-hmm. So what can I do that I can, I can create something, I can take an idea and, and make it something, you know, beautiful or interesting. So that's, that's really been kind of how I've made my decisions. I think when I left the tech world because of, you know, this very specific incident that happened with my friend, it was probably the most lost I'd ever felt. And I was 38 at the time because nothing, it was very hard to get motivated to do anything. And I was like, wow, what am I, what do I care about? You know, like mm-hmm. what, what matters and all the stuff before that seemed appealing was not anymore. So I really, I took a couple of years to just figure out like, again, like, why do I want to get out of bed in the morning? Like what's interesting to me and what makes me happy? So yeah. And I think there'll probably be a few more chapters after this. Yeah. It's kind know. of like giving yourself space to change your minds. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. It's interesting. You say, I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine and it, it's this idea that we can't change our mind, I think I is such a, time. Yeah. such a weird like if you change your mind, then it means you didn't weren't sincere or truthful about what you felt before. And it's like, who says you have to live life in one way or like on one path? It, mm-hmm. it, that's certainly how it was, you know, 40, 50 years ago, or at least that was more common. But now, you know, you can apply different as, you know, writing's probably my only real skill, right? Like communicating, but you can apply that in so many different ways. I mean, there's a, there's a million ways to, to go at the, go at not the problem, but to find a way to apply that. So if you have a big personality, you know, or Mm -hmm. you like, or you like people, there's, you know, probably 50,000 different things you can do. So I think part of it is the traditional career path is people will accept that it's not a traditional career path, but at the same time, you want to be home, you want to be homing in on some sort of skill. You know, you don't Mm want to just be like flitting from one thing to the next. Like you kind of, there has to be some sort of like streamlined, some sort of, yeah, some sort of like streamlined approach to it in some way. This kind of reminded me of, uh, this is something I think about a lot. And I talk all the time about how you should be able to change your mind. That's a sign of growth. It's a very important thing, but I have found, and I don't know if you've ever struggled with this. I'm sure people listening have that as I change, and I'm only 24, like I'm so young, but I just keep reminding me. As I change my mind, I feel like I've lived like three different lifetimes already. It's hard as I grow and grow up, which naturally everyone does, 
to not look back at my past self and like either yeah. what an idiot yeah like really yeah. cringe tell me about or it or be so harsh like I'm hard on myself in present day but my past self I will like rip to shreds yeah like what how do I get better about that I don't want to feel that way about my past self also I know like that girl got me here I should be proud of her she did the best with like what she had at that time but I still will be it's this weird thing over the past year that I've become so hard on like my past self in a weird yeah. way yeah that's a really hard it's it's a hard question but I I think the way I would answer it is part of it is forgiveness of mm-hmm. yourself and I've struggled with that too because we've all made stupid decisions like why on earth did I do that you know yes. that was just the war what was I thinking you know why wasn't but so it kind of starts with the forgiveness thing like I can f- that's my the lens through which I kind of see things is like you know how do I be forgiving how do I have grace how do I be kind how do I be loving part of it is saying like very specifically I forgive myself for this thing and then knowing that you can't change you can't change that but but like you said the wisdom comes and you can make different decisions and the only thing you can do is make different decisions mm-hmm. you know it's life's just too short to stay stuck in the past so yeah for me that's been the exercise it's like okay what do I need to forgive myself for and then just let it go and leave it at the door and know that I was doing the be- and this this goes for anyone I do feel like we're all kind of just doing the best we can you know and some people you're like that's the best you can do really but yeah. same goes for ourselves. I mean, we're, we're, we just kind of show up here and we're trying to figure it out. You know, there's not always a playbook and depending on where you come from or who your parents are or where you go to school, you know, you're going to be on a different tra- trajectory than other people. So mm-hmm. anyway, just, just forgive yourself. Just write yourself an apology letter and then forgive yourself for all those things. Well, I think that's so important because I think we look at our relationships with other people and like our romantic relationships, our friendships as something to work on and not necessarily our relationships with ourselves in the same way. I always say I will give everyone else so much grace around me. I'm not hard on like other people around me, but I will be so hard on myself. And it's interesting because I'll catch myself like, I would never feel that way about a friend. I wouldn't say it, but I also wouldn't even think it. Right. But you just said something. It's like, oh, what was I thinking? Well, I wasn't. That was a really big aha moment for me just now because I'm like, there is so many really just a few bigger decisions that I've made or even like just people that I've let in my life. Yeah. And it's like, what was I thinking in exactly? I wasn't thinking. I gave myself no time to be alone and to actually either process or literally just having time to think yeah. or even think about what I want. And that has really allowed myself to, you know, find myself more, grow more, really get to know who I am and who I want to be. And it's helped me immensely with making better decisions that are, you know, wiser. Well, better, better for you. I think the other exercise that has been helpful, and I know this sounds kind of cheesy and people will sometimes balk at it, but I do think that if you don't know what your own value system is, you do let other people through that door that don't belong there. So like, why are you in my house? You know? Mm -hmm. Oh, because I forgot that you're not, the way that you're living your life is not how I want to live my life. And so that's helpful for me. Like I kind of, have spent a lot of time figuring out what's the, what are my core values like you do for a brand, you know? Mm -hmm. And then how do I make sure that for the most part, I'm making decisions with the people in my life with, you know, business career decisions, whatever that align with my values. And if it doesn't align, then you just go, okay, now I know it does not for me. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to, like, it's not even like a question anymore. You just know it in your, like in your soul, like, oh, that's not, that's cool. That that's fine for them, but it's not fine for me. 
That's actually a really good practical tip too in dating. So you're not lowering your standards. I literally have in my notes app, like a thing of my values and like things that I write down or it's a lot of it too is like things that I care about, like knowing people's names. Like that's a big one, like small things. It's not like always huge things, but I do have like my core values and things that I care about. And it helps a lot with, you know, who I let in my life because I'm like, okay, maybe that's like not even that they're better than me or worse or anything. It's just, we don't like kind of match. Or fit I, up. I had this funny thing that I did when I lived in the Bay area. Cause I was dating at the time. So I was single and this is going to sound really ridiculous, but my litmus test was if I'm sitting across the table from you and you're talking and I would rather be riding a horse, which is something I love to do. Yeah. Me too. I'm, I gotta, I gotta roll. I gotta get out of here. Cause, and it sounds so simple, but it's like, I love to do that. And I'm now giving my energy and time to somebody who's talking about themselves incessantly and about things I don't care about and didn't even buy my coffee, by the way. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to go hang out with, you know, Apache or whatever yeah. instead. And so that was always just a really helpful thing to keep in the back of my mind because that was so true to me, who to who I was. And I would know it immediately. And so then if I dismissed it, it was like, why are you doing that? Why are you pretending that like you'd rather be with this idiot than like hanging out with your horse or reading a book, That's, you know? Yeah, I'm a huge reader too. I think about that all the time. Like, well, I would actually rather be home. That's why even dating in general right now, I'm like, I would have to meet literally the absolute love of my life because I would... I cannot imagine wanting to be on a date with someone over hanging out with my friends. And that's also where I'm at in life. Like I just, I don't want it. So it's fine. But that's actually a really good, like practical tip. Find something you love. And if you would rather be doing that than on a date with this person. Yeah. And if you're thinking about like the next episode of Emily in Paris or whatever, you know, it's, it's gone south and you need to get out. Yes. But I, but in general, it's also like the, on the other side of that, you know, most people that we meet are not going to, people that we want to spend a tremendous amount of time with. I think it's as you get older, like I always tease my husband, he's 10 years older than I am, but we'll be at like parties and he will be in the middle of a conversation in a group and he will walk away. And the first time he did it, I was like, what are you doing? He goes, I was done with the conversation. I was like, but we were all talking. He's like, we know I was done. (laughs) And it's like, wow, you can do that. Like that's allowed, but that's, that's the thing. Most people that we encounter are, they're like a five minute conversation, Mm -hmm. you know? And then it's over and it's fine and you can be cordial. But more than that, it's like everything's a trade-off. So what are you trading for that time? You know, so that's been a hard lesson for me to learn because I feel like it's that paradox of you want to be loyal, you want to be kind, but then where's the boundary? Because if you cut it off too soon, are you being rude? Are you being like ungenerous with your time instead of like, no, that's mine. I own that. And you can still kind of get out of it gracefully, but Anyway, that's always a funny story I like to tell because it was like this light bulb moment. Like, wait a minute, you can just walk away from our conversation. So yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> it's also boundaries. But, like, yeah. I think that's really healthy. You yeah, know? yeah. And it just, you know, again, I think you, you, you could be graceful about it too. Yeah. You don't have to be like, like get up and just walk away. But anyway, that's yes. on him. <laughs> that's really funny. Okay, last question. Let's say someone's listening to this and they're like, "All right, I want to practice solitude. This is my next thing." What give them maybe three either activities, things to do, or tips that they can do in the next two weeks? Okay, and go. they can commit to write okay, it down. Go, and to, sign a go to a movie by yourself. That's number one. Just find a movie that you want to see and go by yourself and sit by yourself and enjoy it because that that's still alone time. You know, you mm-hmm. don't have to be in a meditative state to be no. enjoying solitude, right? I think going to a movie by yourself is honestly harder. 
I, yeah. yeah, because it's so awkward it, or it can be awkward if you let it. The other one is go to a, go to a great, I talk about this in my book, but go to a swanky fancy bar and order a drink and read a book at the bar. That's one thing. Cause again, mm-hmm. you can, it, it's, it's getting over the awkwardness of being alone. Like it's some, something's wrong with you, but it's actually really enjoyable. You can people watch, you can kind of, you know, Yeah. and then the third, I would say I'm a huge proponent of just going for a long walk. Just enjoy that. Be in nature. Nature is such an important part of the kind of the health of, I don't think we realize it, but it's like being, just being outside, being, you know, in the mountains or by the water or just in the woods, whatever it is. I think that's another really good one. So those are all suggestions I I give in my book. I hope I'm getting tagged all next week in stories of people at a bar reading a book by themselves and ordering a drink. Yeah, you should tell them to take a photo and tag Champagne for One and we'll do some sort of giveaway or something. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's the new thing. It's the, you gotta gotta own it. You gotta like own your alone time to really be good in a relationship. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming. Where can they find you and find the book? So champagneforone.com is just the easiest way to get to everything. The book trailer's on there. The, there's you know information about the book. I think my Instagram stuff's on there. I'm not hugely active on social media, but I look forward to more time with you and continuing the conversation. It was, yes. really, it was really enjoyable. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to listen to one that's kind of similar, I did an episode with Paul Fishman last year that you guys loved. And it's all about self-care versus self-love, the differences. And again, really just about the relationship you have with yourself. So if you're kind of on like a self-love kick today, definitely go listen to that one. But I love you guys so much. And I will talk to you next Thursday. Bye.